3: What is up, everybody? Welcome to the uncontested podcast. Before we get started, you know I got to give a shout out to that awesome, awesome new intro. Uh, Shout out to a friend of the podcast, uh, former guest Jacob Silva for helping us out with that. Uh, Came out absolutely incredible. Uh, Absolutely love it. Uh, Make sure you go follow Silva on Twitter. He is at JD Silva. Uh, He does some good work. So we have a special episode for you guys today. Um, we recorded this on December 15th, which is officially the kickoff of NBA trade season. So to start off the podcast, on Sunday morning, I had Mikey Barra. Uh, you guys probably know him from Monday's episodes of Down to Dunk podcast. And he's also on the OKC Dream Team post game podcast, which are the Thunder After Dark pods. Mikey was kind enough uh, to come on the podcast and talk with me. ...about some potential Thunder trades. Uh, we, we play a game of who's going to get traded first. Uh, it's some really, really good stuff. And then at the second half of the podcast... ...Nick, Justin, and I... ...all jumped on after the Woj and Low special... ...that aired on ESPN2. Woj and Low talked a little bit about some Thunder stuff... And just about league-wide trade ideas and, and rumblings and what's going on out there. And so we wanted to make sure that we got on here and talked about those things heading into the coming weeks and, and the start of trade season. So I hope you guys enjoy. And let's, let me go ahead and patch you over to my talk with Mikey Bear. All right, so I am joined here by... Returning guest to the podcast, uh, good friend. You can hear him on Monday's editions of the Down to Dunk podcast. You can also catch him on the OKC Dream Team's Thunder After Dark post-game podcast.
1: From the other side of the planet, I've got Mikey Bear with me. Mikey, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing doing great. I mean, it's trade season, so it's one of the most uh, fun times of the, of the year. We have bas- real basketball and trades.
3: Yeah, I am like I am a sucker for trade season I am a sucker for the rumors and the woge bombs and all of that stuff and so December 15th has been circled on my calendar for a while uh if something big doesn't go down today I might be a little bit disappointed
1: well I mean I think that things will start moving uh right off the bat because there are plenty of uh guys available and plenty of teams that may need to do something so maybe not today but i would expect something happening uh in the next i would say one or two weeks
3: yeah that's kind of how i feel as well so you you mentioned that and my first thing because so i i'm not plugged in in uh in like nba front offices and stuff but i've always been curious and 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 maybe i don't know if you'll have an answer to this or just maybe a uh like a perspective or, or an idea, but even though, you know, I think it's what sixty percent of the league became trade eligible today. So even though a lot of players haven't been trade eligible, I wonder how many teams and and if they're I guess they're allowed to uh, have still been discussing potential trades with some of those players who aren't weren't trade eligible back on December fifth. How many teams have been discussing? trades with those players and kind of already like have everything lined up I think a lot of the times we think that December 15th rolls around and then those conversations start I wonder how many of those conversations have been ongoing for a week or two now and they're already well on their way to to constructing trades do you think uh, NBA teams have already been been doing that or do you think they kind of come into December 15th on a clean slate
1: I think that it's not like few weeks. It's from the summer. Uh, it's a non-stop conversation that you have, and you may have something line up, something else com- comes up uh, like today or in the next day, and you re revisit everything. I do think that, for, uh, and and I'm not sourced or anything as you are. Like um, we are just regular uh, sort of analysts that try to say. Not stupid stuff uh, about OKC, <laughs> um, and so I mean, my feeling is that teams and GMs constantly talk to each other and try to come up with relevant trades. Um, the reason why I think this season they are waiting so much is because. A lot of guys are not eligible, and you want to maybe construct packages instead of doing a one-to-one trade. Like you, you can trade Gallo. You could trade Gallo earlier, um, but now you can may construct a package with Neros Noel. Or with another player that wasn't trade eligible, and so I mean th- this is really relevant because when you have so many players that are moving, you may want to wait just for the sake of seeing if something bigger than what you have lined up uh, has become available for you. And so I, I think that this this was the main reason, but I think that the the, the main pieces are already being discussed, and and then you have to to really see uh, which one of the. I don't know, 10 routes that you prepared uh, you were going to follow.
3: Definitely. And I also think going into this trade season, we talked about, you know, maybe something doesn't happen today or tomorrow, but in the next couple of weeks, it it feels like for sure that, that at least some sort of moves will happen. And leading up to this trade season... So I I don't know this like for a fact, I don't have the stat in front of me, but one of the longest trade droughts in NBA history with the last deal that was made in the NBA was the Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook trade. That came back on July like 11th. So we are on almost six months of no transactions in the NBA. It feels like even more so that some of those GMs have had a lot of time to have those conversations and get things set up and... And kind of get on the same page there
1: yeah i mean it's it's kind of peculiar uh to have such a long stretch with without any movement um part of it is because you you really want to to maximize uh because next season it's it's not a great summer for uh, like signing and stuff like that and so you really want to 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 hit the right shot and so you can be justified to wait as much uh but on the other end, like it's just weird because you you can think that at least one trade you can do, like a minor trade, and instead nothing, nothing really happened. I remember like the Jeremy Grand trade was not like a big thing, but it happened around November, I think, uh, two two years ago or three years ago. Yeah, probably already three. I don't remember well. Anyway, um, usually something small happens. You don't expect like big stuff um, coming happening every year. You don't have a hardened trade every year. Um, so, but this this season, uh, that's everything is st- stopped for for some reason.
3: Yeah, it's it's kind of fascinating. I heard on another podcast uh, with Bobby Marks and mm-hmm. Brian Windhorst and Royce Young that there was even rumblings that GMs have been discussing trading two-way players they're 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 so itching to to just make a transaction because there's been <laughs> such a long drought that they talked about like trading two-way players which i uh i found kind of fascinating
1: yeah j- just to have fun and to, and to do something yeah it's that that could be a great idea i don't want my two-way player to be traded to be honest with you <laughs> i mean i kind of like what uh has, has been doing on the court oh, yeah. of late um but yeah apart from that i mean yeah it's um it's, uh, it's something uh, on the agenda of the GM to do trades, just to, just to, to try to, to make stuff happening. And if you don't, then, uh, yeah, I can, f- I can see them having the need to do something. Definitely. So speaking of
3: two-way guys, let's jump into some Thunder stuff here. Earlier this week, the Thunder uh, basically cut two-way player Devin Hall and then turned around and added Kevin Hervey, to that last two-way spot, uh, Hall obviously like a, a guard, and then Hervey is 6'9", kind of a small forward, more probably more of a power forward in today's game. Uh, how do you feel about that deal? Do you read anything into it? Are they? Is it just that they have so many guards that they wanted to get uh, another kind of big wing? In that two-way spot, do you think it's a precursor to maybe they won't have Gallinari around very long, and they need they're going to need an extra body in that power forward uh, area? Do any thoughts on on that transaction? That I guess it's an internal transaction
1: that happened this week. Well, if you want to read something into this movement, then this is what you read. Like you, you read the need of another body uh, at uh, the power forward spot. Yeah, I think that Herbie, um, it's not as fast um, to play to play like a, a small forward spot. So, uh, you you may want to read that. On the other hand, you can say, well, you had two first, two second round pick, and you want to give both of them a chance to to be with the. Um, A regular team and see what they are about in practice and see what what like how they react to be around uh, a professional team like an an MBA team and maybe it's just that or it's a. Hall not being as good as the front office thought, and so y- you don't want to wait too much. If Hervey is better, if if you want to give him a, a run early, then just just do it. So yeah, if you want to read something again, this may may hint to the idea that the front office is trying to move Galo, uh, which is pretty clear to me. Um, and maybe maybe something will happen soon that I don't know. Uh, on the other hand, it's just again opportunities that you want to give to a guy as soon as he ha- is healthy uh, because he will was hurt the last uh, few weeks I think
3: yeah yeah Hervey has so I've been covering the OKC blue and Hervey hasn't played but I think the very first game their very first home game of the season that I've been there he's been out almost a month he didn't play last night he was he was at the game uh, but in street clothes last night so he hasn't played very much so I'm interested in since he's on that two-way deal do they let him get healthy and get some practice in with the blue before um, bringing him up he he has those 45 days with the thunder uh, it seems like this this big homestand over the holiday is a great chance to maybe get him up there because the thunder are going to play against some uh some of the oh what's the best word bottom feeders of the league uh memphis chicago etc where they're going to have some chance to rack up some maybe rack up some wins so it seems like that's a good chance to get him up there But speaking of that, Thunder, after losing in Denver last night, are at 11-14 and on the season. And Mikey, I'm kind of conflicted because on one hand, I feel like it's in the best interest for the Thunder to just continue to lose these games, better their draft position, get in that top 10, maybe that top 8, and really kickstart this rebuild by getting a high draft pick. But then they're also, I mean... Before that Sacramento game, they're number 7th in the West and firmly kind of in the in the playoff hunt. It seems like the team is at a crossroads, a quarter into this season, on which direction are they going to go. And from my perspective, from, from following this team and kind of understanding, at least publicly, how Sam Presti is, he doesn't seem like he's a one-foot-in kind of guy. He seems like he's either... Either you shit or you get off the pot, right? It, it, it's one of the two. You're either going to tank or you're going to make a playoff push, and you're going to try to make it into the playoffs. Right now, they seem like they're at a crossroads. They're at a fork in the road. And I don't know which direction to expect this team to go the rest of the season. Do you sense that as well? And what do you think the, the plan is for the rest of the year?
1: Well, it's complicated. I, I kind of feel the same, but I have a different perspective. Uh, I think that you cannot really tank uh, when you have Chris Paul in your roster. You you just don't. He's too good. He won't allow um, games that you lose without putting in effort unless it's clear that no one has it that night. And it happened twice. Um, So unless it's that, OKC will be competitive probably every single night. This will go against tanking in the short if, if you look at the draft spot. That is clear. I mean, if you win 35, 38, maybe 40 games, then this goes against your draft odds. And that's clear. But it goes in the direction of reevaluating a few of the players that you have. And I think that when we discuss the three R, ref, uh, replenish, repositioning, re, I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> um, I have to check uh, which, one, which one was the third. Um, the the trade market is very important. I mean, if you look at the at the draft stock that the Thunder has, many of those assets are coming for, from star players being traded away. And so, like the the, the majority is Paul George, but you get ass, you got assets also for Russell Westbrook. So you may want to improve your draft odds. But you also want not to diminish the value of the player that you have. And I I think that for the three players that are likely to be traded or not in the plans of OKC, um, uh, Chris Paul, Danny Schroeder, and and Gallinari, their value is up since the beginning of the season. And this is a goal as well. And you can also say the same about Neroz Noel. Uh, At the beginning of the season, I thought, well, maybe you can put him in a trade without maybe getting a second rounder. Now I feel way more stronger about that. You can really feel Noel in a trade and maybe, I'm saying maybe, uh, you pair him with Gallo and instead of getting one first one pick, you get two. Because you really, you are really giving two very good players to another team. Uh, and maybe you take in toxic salary or unwanted players. So I think that yes, in a certain sense you're not tanking, but the way in which you retool your roster, it's not just getting the first pick in 2020. That that might be irrelevant. It's not a great draft. There's no Zion Williamson. And so why are you want to put too many, you don't want to put too many stocks in your draft position. You also have other ways to get assets.
3: Definitely. So um, agree with everything you said. Uh, th- this interesting. One thing you said there at the beginning that um, you know this, this team won't be able to tank with Chris Paul. He's too competitive. He he wants to win. I feel like around Thunder fandom there is, I mean, and I know you've seen it. There, there's people. The the great tanking debate is uh, is like the hot topic, right? And people get real fired up about it. I think there's this misconception of what tanking really is, and I don't think tanking is asking players to intentionally not try hard and intentionally uh throw games to lose it but tanking is stripping your roster down to where you have promising young players who just aren't good enough to win regularly in the nba and so they're going to lose a lot it's not that they're trying to lose it's just that you've stripped the the roster of enough talent to consistently win would you agree with that statement
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I think that, for example, the Lakers really tanked last season by resting LeBron James. That's that's a way of tanking. 100%. And, And I think that if Chris Paul agrees, say that Chris Paul has minimal discomfort. I mean, I think that OKC will be the first that says, well, just rest two weeks, maybe a month, maybe two months, if we are in March. And you're done for the season, and next season you'll be great again. So, I mean, of course, tanking is what you said. It's not asking players to to intentionally lose what i meant uh, with my statement was i think that chris paul is too good to tank i mean y- you yeah. will not be bad as bad as you as, as you want um it's i completely not that, agree with that yeah yeah
3: yeah yeah I, I mean yeah chris paul is playing well enough that when he's on the court you have a decent chance to win and exactly. so we're not we're not asking or the front office is not asking hey chris paul just go out there and play bad tonight oh, just yeah, don't yeah. try hard like you're not asking that of professional athletes. They're not going to do it. The idea of tanking is just you trade away Schroeder, you trade away Gallo, you trade away New Orleans, and and now your team isn't nearly as good, and so they're probably not going to win as many games. And in turn from that, you are bettering yourself for the future with a better draft pick, right? And so I, I think that's just a misconception that a lot of people have. is like, you know, I, I see on Twitter all the time, losing's for losers, they don't need to tell the team to lose. Why do you want the team to lose? No, we're not telling guys we want them to lose. We just want to strip the roster down, get as many assets as possible, have our team be competitive. Them have them try hard. They're just not one of the best teams in the NBA, right? And um, no, no, I, I, I just feel like from a lot of the conversations people have had with me on social media about this team that that there's this kind of disconnect that we we want the team to actively. Uh, throw games. And that's that's definitely not the case. Um, so so we've kind of touched on this, Mikey, because it, it really tied in there. But this past week, we've had some conflicting reports. Uh, early on in the week, uh, Shams Charnia and Kevin O'Connor both reported that the Thunder are interested in taking on long-term money and trades, which didn't really come as a surprise to me. I kind of laid this out in a previous podcast, but If you take on somebody's long-term money, uh, they have to incentivize you to do that. They incentivize you with a draft pick or with a young player. So that doesn't surprise me very much that the Thunder are willing to take on other teams' bad long-term money in order to to accumulate more assets. Uh, The interesting thing is Woj also reported that the Thunder are interested in making a playoff push, which seems like it's kind of counter... To what shams and kevin o'connor had reported um what do you think about the these two conflicting reports and kind of kind of where they're coming from and, and what do you make
1: of those well i think that it's it's not really a conflict i do think that the playoff push that was mentioned is we're going to make the playoff if no one takes on gallo schruder Adams, Noel, or CP3. We are just good enough to make the playoffs. And so if if no one gives us enough and we are willing to take whatever you give us, like the young waiters, uh, I don't know, James Johnson, name another bad salary, um, probably uh, Gorgie Jang, like guys like that, we are willing to take those. But unless you give us something really, really interesting, we're not going to sell low. I think that this is what those report meant. And and I think that Vosges had every chance to talk privately to Sam Presti uh, before his interview, I think it was last week or beginning of last week. Uh, I think that, that that is why he went on and reported that. I think that Sam is, has been very, very clear to everyone who is like talking trades with OKC that like getting a low first round pick for Gallo will not cut it. And the same probably like a second round pick for Schroeder that these these are not the returns that some Presti thinks. And and again, I mean, there's value in in having, in showcasing those players for, for a long time. So a longer time. So there is a risk with Gallo because of of his injuries. But apart from that, I think that the idea of Presti is if you don't give me what I want, I'm just going because that is what, because maybe I will get a bit more for Schurder, uh with one year left on, on on his contract or from CP3 next season. And so I think that he's playing the long game.
3: Definitely. So what, what I interpreted from it was that, and, and maybe this is me digging a little too deep into it. I've always been fascinated on whenever Woes tweets something or whenever Shams tweets something, Kind of what the context is, uh, mm-hmm. where that information is coming from, and why it's coming from there, and and to me it seems just very clearly that Shams and Kevin O'Connor have both talked to rival executives, uh, not the Thunder, and mm-hmm. those those other executives have have told them, yeah, the Thunder seem really willing to take on long term money, and and so Shams reports that, whereas with Woj, it seems very much that his information came from Sam Presti and and i'm right there with you i think sam is it wouldn't make sense for Presty to come out and say yeah i i'm really ready to trade all of my vets because <laughs> yeah. then what, what does that ima- do to your
1: leverage right like <laughs> can you imagine like yeah. i would fire him the, the next day <laughs> like, like no, no no of course not because he's he's so amazing at, at a million things but but yeah i mean if you say yeah we are selling then then i need then then i want a discount uh, like, in my exactly. job, if someone tells me, like, I have this to sell, yeah, you have this to sell, then you have to give me a fair price, like a very good price, not the market one. Exactly, 100%,
3: right? Because, yeah, if he says, I'm ready to trade these vets, nobody's going to give you a good offer. Oh, you want to trade them, so uh, you're, you you got to be desperate, so here's what I'm going to offer you. But if Presti comes out and says, we're going to make the playoffs and i don't really give a shit if if you offer me a late first round pick for gallo i'm keeping him we're making a run for the playoffs that kind of drives up the market a little bit because that tells people i'm here to play ball and and if you're not willing to step up to the plate and meet the offer we're making a run for the playoffs that's kind of the way i i interpreted that and i i think we're on the same wavelength there which just it, it, it makes a lot of sense right there
1: he's not going to sell guys just to sell guys yeah, and then you have to, to make the act perfect, like you cannot say, yeah, we're making I mean, we're making the playoffs, 6 and 17. No, no, that, that, that is not going to cut it. So yeah. you have to be competitive, you have to play really good basketball and you have to show them that you are really trying to, to go for the playoffs. Because let's be honest, I mean, OKC lost by one in Sacramento and Sacramento was on a very good run. Uh, beating um, very good teams like like the Rockets and I think also Denver, uh, if my memory is right. And then they go to Denver and with Gallo playing probably the worst game shooting and, and dif- defense wise of of his career or his his uh, like recent career, they just lost by by single digits. So I mean this team is really competitive, and 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 I mean press this statement is is good also because of that.
3: Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, uh you, you can't bluff and and your bluff just be so evident that it's a bluff that that no one believes you. Like like you said, with them right on the cusp of the playoffs, saying they're making a playoff push makes sense. But yeah, if if you are oh, I don't know, um Chicago or um you can always use the Knicks. Exactly. Yeah, was about and to and say. you're saying, I'm going to make a playoff push. Like Everyone's like, yeah, you're full of shit. You're not making a playoff push. You're not good enough, right? This yeah. team is, as currently constructed, especially we talked a lot about at the beginning of the season, how awful their schedule was at the beginning of the season. We're now almost out of that part, and they're, they're coming out pretty close to 500. And I think if you asked a lot of people who cover this team, back in August and and asked them what does their record have to look like come Christmas for them to have a chance to make the playoffs, I think a lot of them would have said they have to be pretty close to 500. So this team is on pace, I think, if they stayed as currently constructed to make like a seven or an eighth seed. It looks like the top six seeds in the West are, are kind of who it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And that seven and that eighth seed is is really kind of up for grabs. And the Thunder are right there in that mix for it
1: yeah i completely agree
3: so mikey before we let you go here um i want to do a a little activity so i want to ask you who is more likely to get traded this trade season i have um, basically a player versus a player i have i have five of these so i'm going to say this guy or this guy and i want you to tell me who you think is more likely to get traded before the deadline and uh and after you answer we can chat about a few of these if uh if you find them interesting some of them might suck i don't know you uh you can be the judge of that but so the first one who is more likely to get traded this trade season chris paul or steven adams
1: oh wow that's a good one um it's probably steven adams i i really don't think that chris paul can be traded this season it's too hard to make the salary works it works with miami But for some reason, I watched Miami play two, three times. They don't seem to be a team where well, Chris Paul will fit in any team, but they have an identity. They have a pretty good identity with young players, with shooters. Uh, they want to, to put the ball in, in Jimmy's hands and maybe run some stuff through Hero, maybe through Winslow. So it doesn't really make sense and, and I, I think that Miami is one of the teams that can easily put on a package in terms of salary um, for a trade to work. The other team is Minnesota that can easily create a package with Teague and Jang to, to get Chris Paul, but I don't see that either. Um, I, I don't know. That's why I think Steven is is much easier. You just you just trade him to Atlanta. It makes a lot of sense. You can get assets. You can get a bad salary uh, in Chandler Parsons or whatever, and it works. So that's, that's why I think Steven.
3: Yeah, I was messing around on the trade machine the other day trying to make a Chris Paul deal happen. It's like impossible, man. Like there's just, there's not enough... Some teams just don't have enough salaries to make it work. It's wild. Before we move on from that one, real quick, I want to get your opinion on this. So I think two days ago on The Athletic, John Hollinger uh, posted a trade article, and one of his hypotheticals was Chris Paul, Dennis Schroeder, and Mike Muscala to the heat for Goran Dragic, Justice Winslow, Myers Leonard, and Dion Waiters. Um, if that trade were to happen, what would your feelings be?
1: Uh, I don't think that OKC will be extremely interesting in that package unless someone takes um, Winslow and gives them a really, really good pick, but I don't see that happening either. So, yeah, you may want to do it, but you do it when you have no other chance and you really want to move them the last five minutes of the deadline.
3: Definitely. So... What you just said is exactly how I felt that if the Thunder made that deal, they would only make it if they had a, a Justice Winslow destination already lined up for for a pick or something like that. Um, so we're on the same wavelength there. Okay, second, who gets traded first or who gets traded this deadline, I guess, Dennis Schroeder or
1: nerland's Noel? I think it's Nerlandz just because I have this weird feeling that he will be paired with Gallinari in a trade. Um, there are centers with bad salary, like 20 million plus, that are easy to trade. Uh, take, for example, Porton. And, and I do think that they will want uh, a center back in, the, in that trade. And so if you, if you can go a trade with Porton, for example, putting Gallo and Noel makes perfect sense.
3: All right. Well, you segued me, segued me perfectly into number three, which is who gets traded this season? Hassan Whiteside? or Kent
1: Bazemore? I think it's, why it's wide side. The, like Portland doesn't really need him and they desperately need Bazemore now that um, Rodney Hood had a, that devastating injury. And so I think that he will be traded. Um, I don't have really, uh, I don't really think that he can stay there for the entire season. I think he will be moved. Probably he will be one of the first.
3: Definitely. And I don't know. I just have this sneaky suspicion that when slash if Whiteside does get moved, that he's he's a pretty big buyout candidate. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, like Ab- especially absolutely. like if he came to Oklahoma City. I mean, I think a buyout's done in 24 hours, you know. Uh, uh, yeah, I, just, I
1: don't I don't think it touches the floor like, like yeah. the, 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 the um, He will not land in OKC. They will yep. just just say, "Well, just stay at home and give us like two millions, three million, just just to get away from the tax and go wherever you want."
3: Yep, one hundred percent. I'm right there with you. Okay, I have two more. These two are um, are also league wide, and I don't know. Maybe these two are good. Maybe they're awful. The first one: who gets traded this season? Blake Griffin
1: or Aaron Gordon? Wow, that's hard. I don't. I don't think that any of the two will be moved. Um, But if I have to pick one, it's probably Aaron Gordon. Blake Griffin, he is good, but the Pistons really paid a a huge price for him. Yeah, they did. And it's like, Blake is still fun to watch. If you lose that, who is going to watch games in, in, in Detroit? Like it's rough. Whereas Orlando, maybe you can see Gordon as a way to get a veteran player to make your team a little bit better. It's it's short sighted, I think. But on the other hand, it's not that Aaron Gordon is changing your franchise. So, I mean, if they find the right deal, he he can be moved. I don't know, maybe they can trade for Kevin Love or a guy like that. And and trade and the only way in which you can really do a trade like that is to move Aaron Gordon.
3: Yeah, I've uh, I've been exploring like possible Aaron Gordon trades. Um, he seems like a guy. I don't know. Maybe I'm completely off base on this. He seems like a guy that would fit in Portland with Damon CJ really well. Yeah, I've I've always just kind of thought like just his style of game. Now he would have to adapt his game, not be uh, so shot happy and 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 handle the ball as much. But I also think Orlando getting rid of Aaron Gordon maybe unlocks Jonathan Simmons a little bit more for them. Mm-hmm. And, and so, I don't know. You know, it's it, it's kind of this give and take thing. I also feel like if Orlando were to trade Aaron Gordon, uh, they might have a fear of the Victor Oladipo effect again where they trade a guy and then he goes off and just kind of explodes and becomes the guy that everyone thought he could be.
1: Yeah, and, but uh, and also, what's the trade? I mean, what is Orlando getting back? Is it Whiteside because if it's not like I think Orlando still wants to make uh, a win a win now, maybe not a win now, but a win either now or tomorrow move. So uh, with Portland, if you get Whiteside or you get Baysmore, you are not going anywhere.
3: Yeah. No. So uh, I actually played around with this this week as like a three-team deal to see oh, what okay. I can make happen, um, and that that's where. I was trying to match that Chris Paul salary. Chris Paul to Orlando, Aaron Gordon out to Portland. It's just impossible. Like the the salaries just the the math is 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 it's not there, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's just not there, and it's, it's so hard to concoct something. I thought, oh yeah, you could do CP3 to Orlando, send Aaron Gordon, and then you only have to send like one more small piece, and then I check the difference in salaries between Chris Paul and Aaron Gordon. It's just like, holy God, this is a 21? massive chasm, right? It's like $25 million difference or something like that. It's yeah. wild. It's wild. Uh, all right, so last one for you. Who gets traded this season, Tobias Harris or D'Angelo Russell?
1: <sighs> that's that's interesting. Uh, probably D'Angelo. Uh, just because... The rumblings of Minnesota wanting him, and the fact that it's really an an easy trade to achieve, um, I think that this will be the one that goes off. Um, The other one, who is going to take five years of Tobias Harris, and is Philadelphia going back enough in terms of value, like real players that help them immediately? Like It's hard. And one of the only teams where you can do a trade like that, it's OKC. Like OKC can really give back to, to Philly a good player or two. They could give back Gallo and, and Schroeder, maybe taking Tobias plus something else, and, and probably it is going to work. Uh, but Philly has to give a lot to the Thunder and the Thunder need to find a way to, to ship Tobias somewhere else, which is hard again. Mm-hmm. It may be a trade team deal with Philly and, and OKC and Portland. But as you, as we know, like making these three-way deals, it's fun in principle, but it almost never works. Yeah, so of the, many moving parts. No, I mean, if you, if you look at the salary, like Gallo plus Herder is 20, 37 millions, uh, Tobias is 32.7 and let me check. Whiteside is at 27, I think. And you have a useless salary in Rodney Hood. We will not probably play um, up until, I don't know, post-trade deadline next year, so two thousand February 2021. So Portland doesn't make sense for, for Portland to keep him. And so Portland can ship out easily 32 millions. And so the numbers really work. But then what's the incentive that you have to give to OKC to make yep. things work?s like you have to give them at least two picks very good picks uh, and it's not easy um Portland has to ship one philly has to ship one and probably philly doesn't feel really comfortable on on letting harris go after whatever they gave to to the clippers that was an awful trade
3: wasn't that two picks and landry shamit yeah was it two picks god in hindsight that's just that's wild yeah like that's oh
1: my gosh that's wild. I'd rather have just Shemet Like just having it's better for your salary. It's probably better for your roster construction. Just play Joel Embiid, Al Horford and shooters. Like you have imagine having a starting lineup of Ben simon Richardson, Embiid, Horford and Shamet. Shemet is really a player that doesn't have doesn't need to have the ball in his hands he just run curves and and, and shoot that's the perfect to have like two players richardson and chamet that can really shoot the basketball play defense and they don't need touches that's what you want 100 percent. and like having tobias it's i don't know i mean it's 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 a good player don't get me wrong it's a borderline all-star in the east but it's it's not what they need. Yeah, it,
3: it feels like Philly just – there's not enough, like, usage. There's not enough possessions to go around. Yeah. And, and I don't know, just <laughs> – that's for a whole another podcast. But that lineup, that starting lineup, you know, the, the shortest guy is, what, 6'6"? Six, six. Yeah. Uh, you, you have a point guard who can't shoot outside of five feet. Like, it's just – it's a very interesting lineup in the modern NBA. It you is. You know, it's kind of – it just kind of sticks out. It's like a sore thumb, you know, it just, it kind of sticks out from everything else. So it's, it's a fascinating, uh, fascinating conundrum, but that's for another time. Uh, Mikey, thank you so much for coming on with us today, man. I really appreciate you. Uh, for those of you who, uh, for some reason, don't listen to Mikey on other podcasts already, you can catch him every Monday on the Down to Dunk podcast. He is also frequently on the Thunder After Dark podcast, which is the OKC Dream Team's postgame pod. So make sure you check that out. You can also follow him on Twitter. He is at Mikey Berra. That's at M-I-K-Y-B-E-R-R-A. Is that correct? Yep. Awesome. Uh, And Mikey does, I've mentioned this before, but Mikey does this post-game tweet thread where he just kind of talks about his thoughts after each Thunder game. And they're one of my favorite things like after Thunder games, just to go and to kind of see his thought process and kind of how he he views the game as it's going on. Uh, it's great, great stuff. So make sure you go and you hit that follow button, uh, on his Twitter and check out everything that he is doing. Mikey have a, uh, have a great week. If we don't talk to you before then have a great holiday as well.
1: Well, thank you. Have a, have a great holiday period for you as well i have i'm having a ton of fun uh podcasting with you so whenever you need um i'm open and thank you for the kind word about my twitter uh, post game that i didn't do for uh the denver game so i now i need to go on twitter anyway
3: there you go i've I've added something to your to-do list Yep. awesome thanks mikey see you later Hey, thanks again to Mikey for coming on the pod with me this morning. Uh, awesome dude. I love Mikey to death. Make sure that that you follow along with Mikey on, on Twitter and, and the podcast that he's a part of. Now I am joined by, we have Nick and Justin. Gentlemen, how's it going? Going good. Good evening. And so we have recently watched the Low and woes or Woj and Low, whichever order you want to put them in their trade season kickoff special that they had on ESPN2 this evening, where they kind of broke down some of the the themes and the rumors and things that are going on as we are now at December 15th, uh, officially NBA trade season. And so, guys, I just wanted to, to take about 20 minutes here and talk about some of the, the things that that Woj and Lowe kind of mentioned on the show. Let's start off with Thunder-specific stuff. Uh, the first one, the big one, Woj pretty much came out and straight up said that the Oklahoma City Thunder front office and Chris Paul's camp, his his agent, his his people, both understand that a Chris Paul trade is not happening this season. He then referenced uh, what we've always talked about as the the really big contract and said that maybe this summer after another year of that contract is off the books and and Paul is down to two years left, a a year plus a player option, that that contract may be a little more tradable. But straight up just said he's not getting traded. Is this surprising to you guys at all? Did you have in the back of your mind that maybe a Chris Paul trade could still go down? Or
2: is this kind of what you were expecting? For me, and I think this is probably you guys will be on the same boat for this, Barring a, you know, season-ending injury on a contending team, uh, you know, one of their point guards, maybe even a shooting guard, that contract isn't going to be something someone's going to take the risk on. But you know, like I said, if something crazy happens and you know, a, a, we'll say like Eric Bledsoe has a season-ending injury, then that might open up a door. But for now, the way teams are constructed, I just don't see anybody taking the gamble.
4: Yeah, I agree. I, I wouldn't say it's surprising. I think we've we've talked about it quite a bit of, you know, wouldn't wouldn't be a shocker to see CP3 go through the entire season with Oklahoma City and then look to kind of get moved again next summer. It's it definitely takes the the question mark out of it when you hear Woj kind of proclaim it like he did tonight. I think there was always that little bit in the back of my head that was like, well, you know, if the right situation came along, kind of like what Nick said Uh, then, then it might happen. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily sound like it's the case anymore. So now my question becomes what's going to happen next summer to make him more attractive to teams other than, you know, another year comes off the books.
3: Yeah. I think that's the big thing is just, um, less money owed, uh, overall. Right. And, um, but also Chris has to stay healthy this year, has to, has to have a productive season, um, you know, if he doesn't stay healthy or if he looks like he is on the decline, that might really just kill that trade value. And, and the Thunder might be stuck with that contract for the next two years, you know, so definitely a possibility there. The The second thing about the Thunder that Woj and Lo were talking about were, were the other guys. Um, and when the name Dennis Schroeder was brought up, um, Zach Lowe said that shooter to min-, min, I was about to say Minneapolis shooter to Minnesota is a possibility. He said, uh, "Really, any point guard Minnesota is going to to come in and inquire on." Uh, is that also uh, something that that surprises you guys, or kind of expected? Um, I mean, and and prefacing all of this. They kind of talked about how everyone could just kind of thought coming in the season that the Thunder had these guys just to trade them, but Woj kind of doubled down on what the rest of us have kind of thought is that if you don't meet the Thunder's wants, they're, they're we're not interested in trading uh, just to trade, and they will just ride this out and see what they can do in the summertime. Woj specifically said they they are in no rush, so Dennis Schroeder, um minnesota possibility um what do you guys think of that and and is that something that uh that you
4: think could be possible in the coming months nick you wouldn't happen to have any potential trade ideas would you i do have one Any rumors
2: <laughs> a ru- yeah a, it's already a rumor um i you know kind of proposed a hypothetical of dennis Schroeder to miami for um or to Minnesota, I'm sorry for a first-round pick and Gorgie Gorgi Zhang. He has a pretty bad contract. It seems like Minnesota is trying to get uh, more flexible with their cap space.
3: How many and years is left on that deal?
2: Just one more after this one. So okay. essentially, you know my thought process. You know Minnesota gets a guy in Schroeder that maybe isn't a huge upgrade from uh, Jeff Teague. But you get a guy that can score off of the bench and also is on the books for, um, you know, longer than the season. I was I was kind of looking at their roster and once Jeff Teague's gone next year, they've they've rolled out Jarrett Culver at the point guard quite a bit this year. But you know, who's going to be their point guard next year if they're not yeah? Able I don't to make see Culver move?
3: being long term, uh, right. Like their their point guard option.
2: So so in a, in, in in essence, you've got Schroeder as. Either your new starting point guard, or as a bench spark this year, he could be your starter next year. You're getting Zhang off the books, and then for the Thunder, you're getting a first-round pick, which you know Presti loves. And then next season, um, you have I want to say it's 17, 18 million in an expiring contract with Zhang that you could essentially flip. Um, You know Presti likes these trade ladders where the initial trade he turns into even more down the road. You know, like like the Serge Ibaka trade. So I could see. That being something that pressie would be interested in, flipping uh, Zhang next year as an expiring player and and going from there. However, I do think there are plenty of other point guards that are Dennis Schroeder-quality players that uh, the Timberwolves may also have interested
4: in over him. I do love the possibility of Schroeder taking jeff teague's job in two different cities yeah that i want i wanted to
3: bring that up as well justin that's uh the, the god jeff teague would be so pissed
4: <laughs> tough look tough look for jeff teague how um, much do you think
3: jeff teague hates germany oh
1: my
4: gosh
3: <laughs> i bet he uh, never vacations there
2: well if, if you're minnesota Nine. too you trade for Schroeder, and then you could also end up flipping teague at the trade deadline for somebody else that's a good shooter as your as your go-to point guard i mean they, it's this is all hypotheticals you know they no no, no. i heard these others. are rumors nick yeah. No, no no <laughs> but no there, there's a bunch of point guards out there shooter would be a good
4: option i think but there's going to be a lot of other options as well i do want to go back to what you said a second ago jacob about uh what was Germany? saying. <laughs> no oh, okay <laughs> we saying that the thunder are in no rush I think that is something that, again, it's one of those things that's interesting to hear it come from a guy like Woj because you could kind of get that feeling. And I think it's what makes the Thunder situation this season so unique. It's not a standard tank. It's not a standard kind of like fire sale. Uh, We're going to trade these guys. We need to trade them now. Like the Thunder are content. uh, Yeah, but it's also
3: not like a we've got to make the playoffs either.
4: Right, and you know? and and so it puts them in a unique situation. What I think makes a lot of sense about it is it puts more of the power and more of the leverage back in Sam Presti's hands. Oh, yeah. If you know a team is trying to you know burn off assets, if you know a team is trying to make a push for the playoffs, then you know what their motivations are, and you can tilt the trade scales in your favor. But if you're just like, yeah, whatever, you know, we may keep Danilo, we may trade him, we may keep CP three, we may trade him. Uh, then that puts all the onus on the other party in the trade to make an enticing enough deal to make Sam Presti make an action rather than just sitting back. And I think that from a kind of GM perspective makes it very intriguing, especially with a guy like Sam
3: Presti. 100,000,000%. So so I know you guys weren't talking to Mikey with me, but this is what Mikey and I talked about as well. If I lose my job and I can't pay my mortgage and I... um go online and I post my MacBook for sale and I say, Hey, lost my job, can't pay my mortgage, I gotta sell my MacBook. Everyone's gonna lowball me because I'm right. desperate and they know that I have to get rid of it. So they're gonna want a deal. Right? But if I'm like, dude, my life is going great. I've got my job. I can pay my mortgage and, and do whatever the hell I want and you want to buy my MacBook, make me an offer I can't refuse. Right. Right? It's it's the same idea. And so why would Sam Presti come out and say, I want to trade all my guys, right? Uh, Mikey, I, I know for the, our listeners, this is just me rehashing this. For you guys, it, it's your first time hearing it. Mikey said that if Presti came out and said that, just fire him on the spot because that's like the dumbest shit you can do. Uh, and then he was <laughs> like, no, I really wouldn't fire him. But it's it, it, it's, a, it's just negotiating tactics, right? And so yeah. uh, last Thunder-centric thing, Uh, On the Woj and Lo show is that they talked about Danilo Gallinari and Woj mentioned the idea that if the Thunder don't trade Gallinari during the season, they always have the option in their back pocket to go to the summer with Danilo Gallinari and conduct a sign and trade. And I think this idea is interesting on multiple fronts because this summer's free agency class is bad. Yep. And there's not a lot of teams with money. The teams that will have money are bad teams. And Gallo is older and probably needs to go to a good team to contend. So a good team who needs a guy like Gallinari and can't get anything in the summer by getting a sign and trade, it's like you're you making a summer move, right? And yep. I would not be surprised if, if they trade Gallinari during the season before the trade deadline, if it's a extend and trade or a, or a trade, and we hear that the the team who's getting Gallo has already talked to him, and and they've worked out an extension, right? Because the idea of trading for an expiring is nice, but sometimes the idea of trading for a guy that that has longevity that that you know is going to be around for a while, um, if you can't make a move in the summer, if you don't have the cap, the requisite cap space, and there's no free agents, getting a guy like Gallo on on a couple of years. Uh, Really makes a lot of sense, so I, I think this is. Uh, I'm not saying that I think the Thunder are going to take Gallo into the summer and, and conduct a sign and trade, but I just I have such a hard time feeling that Gallinari is going to get to the summer, his contract's going to expire, he's going to sign elsewhere, and then everything's just done. the The Thunder aren't going to uh, to let that asset expire for nothing. Uh, w- any thoughts on that, guys? I think.
2: That, that's that's a very interesting point. You know, with the weak free agent class, you know, off the top of my head, I would say Gallinari is easily a top ten, fifteen free agent in this upcoming class. So you said
3: top ten or fifteen? Yep. Okay.
2: Maybe, maybe higher. Maybe higher. Um, I would say that if you're a team, you can look at this two ways. Obviously. You know, If you're looking at a sign-in trade, you're getting a guy that's going to be a top top 10 or 15 guy in that upcoming class, or if you're trading for him prior to this upcoming trade deadline, uh, it's one of those scenarios where he comes to your team, he plays well, you guys make a playoff push, he enjoys it in your city, you have a good chance of signing him outright in free agency, whereas... If you don't make that move, are you even a team that he would have considered in free agency?
3: And you get his bird rights.
2: Right. Yeah. So there's right. there's definitely advantages for a team to trade for him with the likelihood that he may not be a one-year rental or a half-year rental. It may end up being we convince him to stay long-term.
3: So players that are free agents in the summer of 2020 that do not have player options— Okay, because we assume Gordon Hayward's picking up his thirty-two million, right? Um, Demar Derozan probably picking up his twenty-eight million. Otto Porter Jr. picking up his twenty-seven. Anthony Davis is staying put. Um, well, Drummond will probably opt out because he he'll be due for a big payday. So, but players without player options: Paul Millsap, Hassan Whiteside, Chandler Parsons, Mark Gasol, Serge Ibaka. Jeff Teague, Derek Favors, uh, Bismack Biyombo, uh, Kent Bazemore, Evan Turner, Goran Dragic, Reggie Jackson.
2: I mean, I think Daniel Gallinari's top
4: Wolf. four there, right? Yeah,
3: it's you easy.
2: You, you've got Montrezl Harrell. You've got um, Joe Harris. I mean, there's a couple more guys. Unless I'm, unless I'm thinking wrong there's a couple more guys than that but no i mean you're 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 spot on with your point there maybe maybe he is top five
3: right like would you rather have the Dani- 31 year old danilo gallinari or 35 year old paul milsap Woof. right would you rather have danilo yep. gallinari or who's going to be 36 year old mark gasol uh who's going to be um w- w- honestly we don't know how old he is serge Ibaka might be 40 <laughs> i don't know
4: yeah, I think it's it'll be interesting for sure. I'll I'll be shocked if Gallinari doesn't get moved before the trade deadline, just because, um, you know, Oklahoma City's gonna get something out of that asset. They're not just gonna ride off into the sunset and see what happens, like some on Thunder Twitter would have you believe. Yeah, uh, but the <laughs> it'll be interesting to see. I think the dynamic of you know a sign in trade or you know working out the extension makes a lot of sense and wasn't something I had really considered prior to the Woj and Lo show tonight.
3: Yep. Um, All right, guys, a few other thoughts from the Woj and Lo show that's more league-wide. First off, Nick, I know you had a lot of thoughts on this. They talked a lot about the possibility of a Kevin Love trade and the fact that Kevin is ready to get out of Cleveland. He is not interested in the rebuild um, he wants to get moved to a contender, and he's got a big contract left. So Nick, kind of, what are what are your thoughts? Uh, I guess first, kind of, tell us what Wojenlo talked about uh, about a, the, a potential return for a Kevin Love trade, and and just kind of your thoughts on that.
2: Yeah, so there wasn't a whole lot of things from the trade show that I guess you could say shocked me. If if there was one thing that was kind of shocking to me, it was the the return. It sounds like you could get from Kevin love. And of course, this is early on, you know, as we mentioned, as we get closer to the trade deadline, teams get more desperate, things could change. But from what Woj said, it sounds like the market for Kevin love right now with how old he is, how injury prone he is. They had mentioned at best, he might be a third or fourth option on a contending team. Um, his contract, all that kind of stuff has his market looking like a expiring contract to match the salary a first round pick and then some sort of other player didn't sound like it would be anybody that's young and promising more of just like kind of a, a bonus guy, which sounds a lot like what you might get in return for Danilo Gallinari. So my question for you guys to kind of spin this off is who gets more of a return in this trade market,
4: Gallinari or love. That's a good question. Yeah, it really is. I, I do think part of it will come down to, you know, what, what teams are able to work out with Danilo. Like we just talked about, is it a a sign and trade? Do they negotiate some kind of extension? I think that'll affect what the Thunder are able to take in in return. Is it a rental or is it a long-term solution? I think the Kevin Love deal, uh, it's tough with that contract, man. It's just such a beast, Uh, not too dissimilar from what the Thunder are going to be up against with Chris Paul. And I think, I think that'll be interesting to watch what Kevin love is able to fetch looking ahead to when the thunder do have to move Paul, there might be some parallels there.
3: Definitely. And it's really hard to compare the two on what their value is like in a return trade, because like if the thunder are willing to take back uh, a longer term, bad contract uh, that sweetens the pot a little bit, where if Cleveland is not, they're not going to get as much of a, uh, of a return. Right. So the, the balance there is it, it's kind of hard to compare um I oh, man I don't really know i I don't feel like I can answer that just
2: because I have no clue I really have no clue um it's it, it really does come down to like like you said what what are these teams viewing these players as you know if if you're a team that really wants to make that push this year you're probably going to want to go after a guy like Gallinari on an expiring contract whereas if you're a team that knows you're going to be in contention for the next three to four years and there's no chance of a rebuild you know getting stuck with this contract isn't a huge deal because you're going to be a contender for the next few years you may look at a guy more like love so it really just kind of depends on the team and how they view themselves over the next three years.
3: Definitely. And Kevin Love makes about $7 million more million than Danilo Gallinari does. So that will play an, uh, a factor in, in trade negotiations as well. Uh, let's shift gears a little bit. One that I thought was really interesting. A note was that the Clippers do have some assets to trade. They have Maurice Harkless. Uh, they, they can still trade their pick this year, I believe. Um, so, so they have some things that, that they can dangle out there. And according to Woj, they were pretty close to signing Marcus Morris this summer until Marcus agreed to terms with San Antonio and then backed out and then went to the New York Knicks. <laughs> there is still some interest there from the Clippers, and they could possibly put together a deal to get Marcus Morris. If that hypothetical were to happen, let's say it's... it's um. Mo Harkless and the Clippers unprotected first round pick for Marcus Morris straight up. Does that vault the Clippers to the top of your, your title contention? Or do you think they are still a tier below teams like the Lakers and the Bucks? Kind of what's your thought on that?
4: I think they might already be in that top tier. And I think adding Marcus Morris kind of solidifies that.
3: You, right now, would you would you bet on the Clippers over the Lakers for the title?
4: Um, that's a good question. Right now, it would be, I would lean Clippers. I think I would. Oh wow, okay. Um, I think seeing Kawhi and PG in a seven game series is going to be tough to overcome. Uh, flip side of that is LeBron and AD, which is also <laughs> tough to overcome. Uh, but I I, I think the Clippers are are can you imagine a Western there.
3: Conference final, seven games all in Staples Center?
4: Be so
2: good. Be wild, man.
4: Came terrible at the same time. Can you yeah. guys
2: give me some insight? I, I need to do some research on this. So, what was the timeline f- with the Marcus Morris rumors of close to a deal with the Spurs to switching to the Knicks in accordance with the Paul George trade? I wonder if. Did that not Did they did they not have cap space after doing that trade, and it kind of broke the deal off, or was it something that?
3: No, I think they still had cap space. Um, I think from what Woj said, uh, Morris just decided not to go there. Interesting. And then completely freaking shafted the Spurs, um, who gave up Davis Bertans for nothing, and that dude can stroke it and then uh, went because he thought it was a good idea to play for the New York Knickerbockers. I mean, Marcus Morris
2: Which, is a really, 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 really good player. He, I think he's extremely underrated. He's also similar size, position, and skill set as Kawhi and PG. I mean, he's a, yeah, he is. He, he's a scoring wing, so is that really what they need? I
3: mean... They can just run all three of them out. I there. mean, I if right.
2: if if you have your, a bench of Marcus Morris, Lou Will, and Montrez Harrell, I mean, you're going to have a bench that scores 65-70 a night.
3: Yeah, well, and I think your closing lineup is Pat Bev, those three, and then insert whoever the hell you want at the five. Montrez.
2: Yep. And uh, and that gets what, scary. A, what a so so you you would run you got to run Lou Will in there too.
3: No, I ain't not will, Lou will to sit his ass on the bench, and we're not gonna let this other team score for the final six minutes of the game. We don't need, we don't need Lou will scoring if the other team just doesn't have a chance to get a bucket because we have Pat Bev, PG, Kawhi, Marcus Morris, and Montrez out there. How do you score on that?
2: That's interesting. That's that'd be a scary team. It's yep. it's just a lot. It's they're like building the New York Knicks of small forwards. Yep.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Except yep. with ones that are actually good that's very
2: true <laughs> very true
4: um
3: two more two more notes this one maybe was the most surprising to me Woj and Lowe talked quite a bit about how New Orleans uh, came into the season expecting to to make a push for the playoffs uh, Zion has not played a game yet the the pelicans are just garbage. And they might need to start looking into moving their veterans uh, who are not interested in sitting around on a really, really bad team and just toiling away. And the two names they brought up were J.J. Redick and Drew Holiday. Now, if Drew Holiday gets put on the market, there's going to be a lot of interest, a lot of interest. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Lowe brought up a hypothetical of like, getting Drew to Denver for Gary Harris um, contract filler, like salary filler. And then he said specifically, like, I don't... He said, Low Lo said, and I quote, I don't know how untradeable Michael Porter Jr. is. And then Walsh came off often said, MPJ is untradeable. Like, he's untouchable. They're not getting rid of him. Um, I mean, we talked about this pre-pod, but Drew to Miami, uh, I think, makes... Miami a legitimate threat in the east do do you guys think that those two guys get traded before the deadline and if so which team is best suited uh for specifically for Drew Holiday's talents
2: this is this was surprising to me as well um JJ Redick not so much there's like you said there's going to be a ton of teams with interest in him he's going to be He's going to be like the guard version of Danilo Gallinari. Any team that that adds him is going to be so much better offensively. Their ceiling offensively is going to be so much higher. Him on Milwaukee, I think is like borderline erotic. Yeah. That's that's <laughs> uh that's that that'd be a great option. Uh Drew Holiday did surprise me. I didn't think that even with the direction the Pelicans are going, they'd be looking to trade him cuz you're looking at if Zion does come back, you know, they're already kind of dug into a hole. I don't know if they can you know, get their way back into the playoffs this year by the time he comes back, hopefully by early 2020. But looking at next year, you're going to have, hopefully, Zion back. You're still going to have Brandon Ingram, probably, if you re-sign him to a max. You're going to have all these other guys. I think that keeping him around would probably be in your best interest, but if you do decide to trade him, you're going to get a hell of a lot back.
4: Here, let, get- let's see... The Pelicans have lost their 12th straight game. Yo, I saw it's, that it's earlier bad, today, man. and it kind of blew my mind. I didn't realize it was that bad.
3: Yeah. Here, let me give you guys a list of like five or six teams here and tell me which one uh, you think could maybe construct the best Drew Holiday package and um, and, and which one would really vault up the, the contention rankings with Drew Holiday. Um, so let's go the Miami Heat. The Orlando Magic. The Dallas Mavericks. The Denver Nuggets. The Detroit Pistons. The Minnesota Timberwolves.
4: I was going to mention Minnesota. We talked about them earlier and how they're they're really looking for guards. I think, you know, if you're looking for guards, it's hard to find much better that might be available than Drew. I think the it might have even been mentioned uh on the show but denver sounds like an intriguing option for drew uh whether it's gary harris um or who else uh i think that could they could have the assets to put together a pretty good package yeah, yeah.
2: De- denver would be scary i I was super high on Gary Harris a couple years back when he was like 22 years old, starting to, to come on to his own. I haven't seen a whole lot of improvement. I obviously don't watch the Denver Nuggets every night, but just from what I have seen, I'm my stock on Gary Harris is starting to drop. I don't know if he has hit a temporary ceiling, but I, I just don't see him being worth giving up Drew Holiday for.
3: So Drew Holiday for Jeff Teague, Jarrett Culver, and an unprotected twenty twenty first. Does that get it done? Mm. Expiring, lottery pick rookie, yeah, and then an
2: unprotected twenty twenty. I still think it might take more. I, 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 I think, like I said earlier, with, with Zion coming back, and them really having to—I don't know—the right wording. So. New Orleans as a basketball city is already kind of suspect with AD getting traded at like the, there was nobody at the games last year. They get Zion. People are pumped for the Pelicans again. All their fans are happy. If you start doing this New York Knicks, I'm going to sell my only promising players away for picks and expiring deals and, and young guys that may or may not pan out. I don't think that's the best route to go. So I think they're in a similar situation to the thunder as far as drew holiday goes, like, We're going to float his name out there. If you're going to overpay us for him, he's all yours. But I don't think they're in a situation where, you know, similar to the Thunder, they don't have to make any moves for Drew.
4: Right. They have all the leverage. One more.
3: Drew Holiday to Orlando for Evan Fournier, Markel Fultz, and a 2020 unprotected first.
4: Mm. I think I'd take the Minnesota deal over that.
2: Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> a point guard rotation of iffy Lonzo Ball and iffy Markel Fultz is a little suspect.
3: Yeah. Touche. <laughs> Touche. Well, we said 20 minutes. We're at 30 minutes. Let's get to this last one, um, and then we'll be done. We've talked a lot about Minnesota. Uh, Woj and Lo both said that they are – in the market for a point guard, they're gonna they're gonna poke around. Whether it's Dennis Schroeder, whether it's Kyle Lowry, uh, whoever else may become available in the market, they want an upgrade because they want to make the playoffs. We know that they've had interest in D'Angelo Russell. They they courted D'Angelo Russell during the summer. Uh, all indications were that they almost got D'Angelo Russell to commit until uh, the sign in trade happened with Golden State. Woj said that Golden State is in position to keep D'Angelo Russell until next summer and then make a move. They're they're in no rush. They're they're fine with holding on to him for a while. So, number one, does that Golden State report about D'Angelo Russell, um, how do you guys feel about that? Them just holding on to D'Lo for the rest of this year and then looking to make a move in the summer. How do you guys feel about that? Number two... We've talked a lot about Minnesota. What what point guards do you think um are, are potential fits aside of Dennis Schroeder, who we've already already talked about? Ooh,
2: um To answer the first part of your question, I if I'm if I'm Golden State, I'm not I I feel like all these all these trade scenarios and, and rumors I'm hearing about D'Lo are are very very low ball type offers. I mean, he's a guy that was an all star last year. He's super super young. I feel like and this, like, people are saying worst case scenario he stays there long term. Like next year, if they roll out a lineup of Steph, DeLo, Clay, Draymond, and then like a James Wiseman, there's really no need to to even look at trading DeLo. I think that's a insane starting five. Um, I'll let Justin kind of answer that in the second part of it, but I I don't th- I, I don't think there's any reason to trade Delo unless you're getting a, a, a good return
4: for him. I'm offended at the idea of Wiseman on the Warriors. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> I think at, ever since the sign in trade happened with the Warriors, I didn't expect D'Angelo to be there long term. I understand he's a good player, but I, I it just has never made sense to me with the fit alongside Steph. Obviously doesn't sound like Steph's going to play this season. Uh, keep D'Angelo, do whatever you're doing over there, light years ahead with tanking. Uh, but then I, I think it makes total sense for them to, to move him and get what they can. And shame on you, KD, for letting the Warriors do that. Yeah. Uh,
3: <laughs> any any guards that make sense in Minnesota for you guys? I'm looking through a list of teams right now. I just don't know what guards are going to be available. Um I mean, Goron Dragic, yeah. but why would the Heat just swap expirings, you know, for, right. for Jeff Teague? Um, you know, you could if you wanted to, you could go get um, – oh, why would I just go blank? Who's the Australian kid in Utah that doesn't play? Exum. Exum. You could go get Exum, but that doesn't push you over the top. You can maybe go get Frank Nealakina. Does that really push you over the top? Um, uh, you know, like Reggie Jackson. That doesn't help you. You don't want to go get like Ish Smith. Um, Kyle Lowry makes some sense if, if you want to make a one year push for the playoffs, but I mean he doesn't match the timeline of of Andrew Wiggins and right. and Karl Anthony Towns. Like the the Schroeder deal to me makes keeps making more and more sense. Yeah,
4: that's a good point. Uh, there's not a lot of options out there that just feel like no brainers. Other than. This young up and comer Lugans Dort. Oh, we're not trading the Lutang clan. <laughs> Untradable. Just like Michael Porter Jr. Lutang clan ain't nothing to F with.
2: What about a and this is, you know, not anything that's like a proven point guard to help them out, but I'm curious what a Dennis Smith Jr. trade would look like. He's not playing a whole lot that's in New job. York. Yeah, that's a good one. He would be a he'd be a solid backup that I think. Actually, if he gets back to the way he was playing in Dallas and gets some confidence back, he's gone through some personal things this year. If he can get back to the where he was, and he's averaging, I think, half 15 points as a rookie, I think he could be not only a guy in the short term for them, but also could be a point guard of the future. It's a former lottery pick that people were super, super high on before he got to the Knicks, and I feel like he's fallen off not in the sense that it's his fault. He's just in a horrible situation that he could he could be a guy for them
3: yeah that's interesting my like that. My rebuttal to that would be again, I think they want to make the playoffs this year, and I don't know if he helps them make the playoffs this year, right because of the lack yeah. of playing time because of the struggle um i I think they want someone that's kind of on the timeline, but someone that can also propel them forward right now uh and and I'm just not sure if he does that or not, you know, so it's yeah, fair. I don't know, it's interesting. Any other trade thoughts guys before we pump some outro music and get it, get out of here? It's going
2: to be a fun next couple of months. I don't think people realize we are less than 2 months away from the trade deadline. Definitely. I think, I think it's, it's wild. coming quick. If you had to make
3: a bet, you got to bet 500 of your own dollars. You don't have an option to not bet. You have to bet 500 of your own dollars is does an NBA trade happen before Christmas? What's your money on?
4: Mm, I say no.
2: I also am probably going to say no.
3: I say yes. If I'm right, you guys owe me pizza. (laughs) Whenever you're around Oklahoma City for Christmas time, we'll meet up and someone has to buy me Empire Slice. I've got a
2: question (laughs) for you in follow-up. Okay. The Thunder have roughly, and this could be a wrong number, but we'll just go with it. 26 games between now and the NBA trade deadline. What is their record through those hypothetical 26 games? Oh, I'd have to look at the schedule. Just go with it. What's what's your record? <laughs> Do you want me to look at the schedule real quick? <laughs> no, I want you to tell me off the top oh of your head. Oh, my God. You said there's 26? That's roughly. I'm trying to, to count quickly. It's 26, 28-ish, but we'll go with 26. I'm
3: going 500. 13 and 13. Okay.
2: Justin? I'm going to say... 9 and 17. Ooh. That's pretty rough.
3: He thinks someone's getting traded soon. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's. You go, k- you go 9 and 17 when you start Darius Basley for 17 games.
2: <laughs> that's the big kicker. I mean, but, but Justin, you said, what'd you say? 13 and 13, 500? Yeah, that's what I said. Jacob said. Yeah. I mean, there's, we, Oklahoma City's played 25 games. They've gone 11 and 14. If they stay on track with that, uh, I don't know. That's that's a tough question without digging into the schedule. Yeah, I'd have
3: to dig into the schedule to really make a, an educated guess. And it's yep. hard to make an educated guess because they're going to trade folks. Yep. Right? The league yep. is going to look different. Um, all right, guys. Well, thank you so much for checking out the podcast. If this is your first time to listen, we really appreciate you. Make sure that you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts at. Drop a five-star rating while you're there. We drop podcasts every Monday morning and after every single Oklahoma City Thunder game. So make sure that you are subscribed so those download directly to your device. If you're a loyal listener, we love you. We appreciate you. Keep doing you. Um, we will be back with you. Quick turnaround Monday Thunder versus Bulls back in OKC. I don't know who has that post game, but somebody will be post game podcasting after that game. Uh, hopefully, a win. And so we will be back with you guys Monday evening and then Wednesday and Friday evening as well. Have a great beginning to your week for most of you. I think this is your, your last week of work before Christmas. So uh, enjoy it and we will talk to you soon. Thunder up.